Luke 2, verses 1 to 20, the birth of Jesus Christ. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and he will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an a- with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that, was ha- that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Thank you, Enrique, for reading the passage tonight. And uh, Merry Christmas Eve, everyone. You know, I like Christmas for a number of reasons. Uh, Amazon is one of them. I mean, right, really, what would we, we do? What would Christmas be like without having Amazon? You know, you can shop from, from home. You don't even have to go out. and It's delivered to your front door. And it's great if you're like a last-minute kind of shopper. All right, how many of you just kind of put that off for like, you know, like tonight you're still trying to figure out on the way home what's still open, you know? Uh, so Friday night, we're like, oh, we forgot something. So 4.30 in the afternoon, Carrie gets on Amazon and she orders something and it arrived this morning at 8.30 a.m. You know, we're like, thank God for Amazon. Amazon saved Christmas. You know, I mean, you know, I love Christmas for a lot of reasons. Amazon's one of them. And, you know, it's amazing how today we, we barely have to wait for anything. Uh, you, you think about... Um, you think about Christmas, how long have you been anticipating Christmas this year? For some of you, it's just been a couple of days. You're like, oh, here it is. Uh, some of you have been like, man, for months I've been planning. I can't wait. It's finally here. And some of you have been anticipating Christmas since last Christmas, right? You've been waiting a whole year for Christmas. Can you imagine waiting four or 5,000 years for Christmas? Uh, 
That's what happened. That's what happened. The birth of Jesus is something that the human race has been anticipating for thousands of years. And it began in Genesis chapter 3 when our first parents, Adam and Eve, they they sinned. And the moment they sinned, God said, I'm going to send a savior. And the savior is going to be born of a woman, the seed of Eve. Right? And that promised savior, that rescuer is coming. And for thousands of years, mankind has been waiting for this promised savior, rescuer, hero. And all throughout the millennia, several hundred prophecies throughout scripture were given concerning the birth of Christ. These prophecies or promises, they were revealed by God through his servants, the prophets, uh, and that God was coming to be with us and that he would be born of a virgin and that he would be born in a small town called Bethlehem and he would be born king. So think thousands and thousands and thousands of years of waiting for a savior. Okay. It's not Amazon. It's not UPS. It's thousands and thousands of years of waiting. But the Bible says that God is not slow in keeping his promises. How many of you know he comes at just the right time? And the scripture says, Paul said it at the appointed time. He said it like this, but when the but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, born to redeem those who were under the law so that we might be adapted or adopted as sons. So here we are in this passage, and I want to just take a few moments and just unpack what the angel said to these shepherds. There's a lot in this passage. We're just going to focus on that. The angel said to these shepherds, I bring you something. I bring you some good news. And if you were going to read it from the King James, the angel said, I bring you glad tidings. I bring you glad tidings. Yeah, woo, right? And so God said, I need a messenger. And, and back then, God used angels as messengers. And today, he uses you and I to be the messengers of this, this birth announcement, Right? And so you're the angels, you're God angels now, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you, you, you're, you're, you're a beautiful angel, right? All right, now repent for lying, right? Okay, you know, you, you, you're beautiful angels, you're messengers, right? And you, you've been entrusted by God to carry the most important message mankind has ever heard. And the message is this, today in the city of David, a savior has been born, now, I want you to imagine if you were talking to one of your unsaved friends who are far from God, okay? How would you announce the coming, the birth of Jesus? How would you announce it to them? You know, I want to just pretend Todd right now is one of those people who's just far from God, okay? This is the hot seat right here, by the way, if you haven't figured it out. Uh, if, if you want your name called out, sit right there. You know, that's the spot. So Todd is far from God, never been to church. He's never read the Bible, doesn't have a clue, right? He doesn't have a clue anyway. But let's just, you know, pretend he doesn't have a clue. See what I mean? Hot seat, okay? So Todd's far from God. Todd, I got some news, man. Listen, and then you come to Todd and you say, Todd, uh, I bring you glad tidings. And he's like, what? I've never heard that before. I don't, I don't know what that is. I'm sorry, Todd. Let me, let me change. I bring you the gospel, Todd's like, ah, I've heard that word, but I'm not sure what the gospel is. I'm so sorry, Todd. Let me put it in your language, in your lingo. I bring you good news, right? And Todd's like, oh, you've got some news and it's good. What's the news, right? So that's what the angel does, speaks their language. I bring you good news. 
We're messengers. We're called to bring that good news. And I've been talking about this, this good news for a number of weeks now. We've talked about, uh, you know, the series that we're in. Uh, we've entitled it The Good News According to Luke. And we know that news is something that has happened in the past. And then because of that happening, everything moving forward has changed. And uh, I want to remind you, as I did last week, um, to come back on, on January 7th, the first Sunday of our new year, because I've got some really, really good news I want to share with you. Good news about Glad Tidings Church and about our future. Uh, we believe that what God wants to do over the next eight years uh, in our history, uh, or of our future, I should say, uh, is going to surpass what God has done in the last 80 years combined. Uh, and if you've been around Glad Tidings for a number of years, 10, 20, 30 years, you know that God has done a lot through his church. But I'm telling you right now, and I, I believe it with all my heart, God is wanting to do things bigger and faster in these last days. And a year in, in this past January, God spoke to my heart and said, I want to do more in the next eight years than the last 80 years combined. And so this whole year we've been anticipating, Lord, what does that look like? What does that mean? How's that going to happen? And we've been praying and, and searching scripture and Lord, what would you have? And I want to share some of that with you on January 7th of where we're going in our future. And I'm so excited about it. Uh, we're just on the verge of something great in the kingdom. And I want to share that with you. So let's get back to what the angel said. The angel said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy that will be for all people. Um, and let's dive into this all people thing. Um, as we read the passage, did you notice the people and the circumstances that Jesus first appeared? Did you notice the people Jesus first appeared to? Uh, first, the angel shows up and he talks to these shepherds, these no name shepherds. Um, shepherds were kind of weird. OK, I can say that because nobody here is a shepherd. Uh, they lived by themselves outside of town. They slept out in the open. Uh, they were with the animals all the time. You know, that's not normal, right? That's not the job that you shoot for in life. It's the job you end up with. Okay. You don't wake up going, man, I want to be a shepherd someday when I grow up. All right. Uh, they were just at the bottom of the barrel. Um, they, they couldn't even go to temple court to make sacrifice or to, to celebrate the feast. So the shepherds felt very distant from God, very far from God. They weren't able to participate in that religious life of Judaism. Uh, they were considered crooks and thieves, um, very untrustworthy bunch, the lowest of the low, very suspicious bunch. In fact, they wouldn't even allow shepherds to testify in court. They couldn't be trusted. All right. This is who we're talking about. And this is who the angel shows up to. The angel says, you know what? Who can I, who can I go to that would be least expecting some good news from God? I know. Let's go to the shepherds. Let's go to these shepherds. They're never going to expect God has some good news message for them. And they'd never expect that God would deliver it supernaturally through an angel. Wow. This is how God delivers the good news. And he begins with bringing it to shepherds. And, and he comes. Jesus comes not first to the wealthy. He loves the wealthy as well as the poor. But he first appears to the poor. And he comes not to a big city, but to a very small town. And he comes not to the experienced parents, but to inexperienced parents. And he comes to these humble peasants named Joseph and Mary. Uh, Joseph and Mary, they're, they're the complete antithesis of, of the Caesar of the day and of Quirinius. They're rural, not urban. They're poor, not rich. They're powerless, not powerful. They're worshipers of God, not being worshipped as gods. This is Joseph. This is Mary. They're the nobodies, right, that, that, that give this somebody birth. The birth of a king. Amazing. 
So the angel appears to these shepherds, right? The birth of Jesus comes through Joseph and Mary, these these nobodies, right? And it all happens in a stable. And the Bible says they place this this baby Jesus in a manger, in a feeding trough. So here we have the king, prophesied king that we've been waiting for for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. He's born to these inexperienced parents in a stable because nobody has room for him. And they place this king on his first throne and it happens to be the feeding trough of animals. Why does God introduce it this way? Why does this happen? Because this is the way of the kingdom of God. What kind of king is born in a manger, right? One like we've never seen before. This is God's way. This is God's kingdom. You see, the way we come into God's kingdom is the way Jesus came into our kingdom. Let me put it this way. The way we come to God is the way God came down to us. In humility, in weakness, in smallness, (laughs) in helplessness, in total dependence. This is the way Jesus came to us and this is the way we come to God. Jesus said these words, he said, unless you humble yourself and become like a child, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. God humbled himself and he started at the very bottom. Why? To relate to those at the bottom and to rescue those at the bottom. He came. He started at the bottom to relate and to rescue those at the bottom. No one can say God doesn't understand what I'm going through. Yes, he does. God became a man. He took on flesh and blood. He became one of us. He was tempted in the same way we are tempted, the scripture says, and yet he was without sin. So whatever temptation you're going through, you go, man, I can't bear this temptation. Yes, you can. Jesus experienced it as well. You say, man, I'm going through a difficulty. I'm going through a period of of, of death, maybe a death of a marriage, a relationship. I'm going through this period of separation. God doesn't understand. He's never been married. You're right. Jesus has never been married. But can I tell you, he's gone through separation. He's gone through rejection. He hung on a cross. He took all the sin and shame that you and I have. He took it on himself. And God, the Bible says he had turned his back on on Jesus because Jesus became this. He he took on the sin of the world at that at that moment. You want to talk about separation and the feeling of rejection, right? Although God hadn't rejected him, but the sin that was upon him. So we've got good news. He's come to rescue us. And so the angel says, there's this good news. The Savior has been born, right? Um, and let me just put on, put on your theological thinking caps here for a moment. Kids too, uh, right? Uh, there are various ways of seeing God. And we call those ways of seeing God and our world, we call them worldviews, okay? And there's basically five major worldviews. It's the way we view the world, um, our place in this world, how we relate to God, and what happens to us after we die, okay? Uh, There's atheism, deism, pantheism, and theism, okay? Atheism, we all understand what that means. Those are people who do not believe there is a God, right? Deism, what do deists believe? Deists believe that God created the world and then he stepped away from it. He stepped away from it. He has nothing to do with it now. Okay, it's like a clockmaker. He's taking. He he builds this clock. He winds it up. He walks away. That's deism. Okay. Then there's pantheism. God is in everything, right? 
Careful where you step. Careful what you eat. God may be in it, you know. Uh, that's pantheism, okay? And then there's theism. Theism or theists believe that there is a God. There is a God. Christianity is part of the... Uh, is, is theistic. We believe there's a God. But there are other religions that believe there is a God. There's monotheism, which is one God. Those who believe in one God. Islam believes in one God. Christianity believes in one God, Right? Very similar there. There is um, um, also polytheism, which is many gods. There are religions that believe there are many gods. Uh, Hinduism, for example. Okay, Both of these theistic religions, uh, Islam, Hinduism, right? They believe that there's a difference between creator and creation. They, they believe that, that there's this good God and that we are sinful people and that we are going to be judged by God. Okay, They believe that, right? But here is the problem with this theistic worldviews. There's no savior. There's no savior in these worldviews. You're the savior. You have to save yourself. And that, my friend, is exactly what religion is. And that's what religion says. Religion says God can't save you. You have to save yourself. But the angel says on that day in Luke chapter two, today in the city of David is born to you a savior. You don't have to save yourself. There's a savior to save you. That separates Christianity from all other religions. That's a good place to say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Right? So, but these other religions, worldviews say that you have to save yourself. You've got to do something because God is not pleased with you and he's not coming down to help you. He is not loving. He is not merciful. He's not compassionate. He's not kind. That's what they would say. What is he then? He's the judge. He's the distant, far away, furrow-browed, crooked-fingered, rule-keeper kind of God. And you're going to have to give an account to him someday. So you better do better. You better try harder or you're going to hell. How many of you know that's not good news? That's not good news. That's religion. And religion always leads to either pride or despair, depending how you're doing that day. Religion is about us trying to get to God. But Christianity is about God coming down to us. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's not us trying to get to God. It's all about God coming down to us. And in Christianity, Christ strips us of all of our religious pride and all of our religious despair. And he makes the good news not about us, but about Jesus. Listen, the gospel in one word is Jesus. How many of you can share the gospel? That's right. The gospel in one word is Jesus, right? See, God is so good that he said, since you can't come up to me, I'm going to come down to you. This is such good news. Can I tell you tonight that that God loves you not because you're good. He loves you because he's good. And this good God, he said, you know what? Since they can't come up to me, I'm going to come down to you. And he demonstrated that all throughout scripture, didn't he? There was a guy named Jacob. Remember Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob was this deceiver. He was this conniver kind of a guy. He he uh, he lied and he he stole his brother's birthright from him. Right. And then he ran off and he ran away to save his life. And one day he decided I'm going to go meet up with my brother again. But he was scared to death. So he had one of those help me out of jail kind of prayers. He had one of those kind of prayers. God, I'm going to see my brother. He's going to kill me. He's going to take my family. God, help. He lays down, and he puts his head on a rock and he has a dream. And in this dream, God has this ladder that what comes down from heaven 
down to earth. And, and the angels are on this ladder and they're singing and they're worshiping God. And then God, he blesses a man that doesn't deserve to be blessed. Jacob was not a man who was worthy to receive God's grace and God's blessing. But God says, you know what? I'm going to come down to you and I'm going to bless you, Jacob, because you can't come up to me and bless me. So that's what I'm going to do. We can look at the Israelites. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and they were kind of a gnarly bunch, weren't they? They were grumblers and they were complainers and they were doubters and they were idolaters. And and they were not worthy. They were not worthy of God coming down to them. But God said, you know what? I'm going to never leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. And I'm going to come down with you and I'm going to walk through this wilderness with you. I'm going to take you by the hand and I'm going to lead you through the promised land. And I'm going to guide you by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And I'm not going to leave you. And I'm going to come down to you and I'm going to make my habitation with you. And so let's build a tent, a big tabernacle and put this ark, this wooden box in there that represents my presence. And I want you to I want you to set up all your homes, all your tents around this tabernacle, because I want to be right in the center of your life. And then God says, how about a how about a big fancy house so you can see how magnificent and glorious I am? Build this temple, the most magnificent and architectural structure known to mankind during that day. It was like the wonder of the world. It was made of gold and silver and precious jewels. And it took years and years and years to build and to reflect the glory of God. And then in Luke chapter two, God says, you know what? It's time that we get a little bit closer. And so God came down to us because we couldn't go up to him. And God became a man and he started in the form of this helpless, innocent little child who couldn't do anything, right? To demonstrate how we enter into the kingdom of God is the same way God entered into our kingdom. And if you're translating this service, I apologize for going so fast. <laughs> we only have 60 minutes. And God said, I want to be with them. I want to be Emmanuel, God with us. And then when he left this earth, everybody's like, oh, no, what's going to happen? He's leaving us. This was so good. And he said, no, it's good that I leave. It's good that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. And and he won't even it's not only be with you, he'll be actually in you. Oh, again, God's saying, I am a good God. And because I'm a good God and I know you can't come up to be with me, I'm going to come down and be with you. Can we give God praise? Is that good news? So the Bible is a story of God humbling himself to come down because we can't come up. Most Christians, we talk about how the good news is. We, we, we talk about the good news. We talk, of, we talk in terms of going up to heaven when we die. Right? But God keeps talking about coming down to earth while we live. We need to get on the same page as God about this good news. And we want an escape, right? We want to escape this world. And God wants to invade this world. Man, I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to a new body. And all of you are going to be looking for a new body, especially the day after Christmas. Right? We're looking forward to that glorious body, right? That eternal body. We're looking forward to seeing them face to face. We're looking forward to seeing where there's no more death. There's no more dying, no more sorrow, no more pain. None of that. And God is saying, wait a minute, time out. I want to bring some heaven down to your earth. And that's what Jesus did. He inaugurated this kingdom, this good news. He said, you know what? I'm already establishing my rule and reign on the earth. And when we close tonight and pray, which we're going to do here in just a few moments, we're going to invite the king and his kingdom into our lives right here tonight. 
We're going to invite the sick to be healed, the lost to be saved, right? Those under bondage, those bondages to be broken, those who feel like slaves be set free because that's what the king came to do. The angel says more. The angel says this. Not only. Let me let me just back up a page. Because this is good. I don't want you to miss this. A lot of times when we proclaim the gospel, we proclaim the good news. We say things like this. We say, I've got good news, Todd. Jesus came down to become a man just like us to to be able to relate to us and to rescue us. And then and then he died on a cross to save us from our sins and and to rescue us from from spending eternity in hell. And sometimes we say that and people go, hmm, hell, bad place. Hmm, heaven, good place. I don't want to go to the bad place. I want to go to the good place. So pray this prayer. And then you come and say, Pastor Wall, he prayed this prayer. He got saved. And we go, yay, that's good news. And it is good news, but that's part of the gospel. It's not the full gospel. And can I encourage you, don't use hell as a motivation in your evangelizing efforts, right? Because what happens is you'll never make disciples, followers, worshipers of Jesus. When you use hell as your motivation, you will create escape artists. And what happens is instead of them running to Jesus, they're running from hell. And the gospel is, Bruxy Cavey says this, the gospel is about running to a person, not running from a place. It's about running to a person who's so good and so loving and so merciful. And Jacob goes, I can't believe you're treating like this. I don't deserve this. How can I serve you the rest of my life? So the angel says more. Not only is he savior, the angel says he is Christ the Lord. Say, say with me, Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord, okay? These three titles, um, they don't come together very often in Scripture, but it's very interesting how at the very beginning of the birth of Christ, the angel wants to make sure that we put these three together. He is Savior. He is Christ. He is Lord. He is Savior. He's a rescuer. He's, he is Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And the angel says, this is the good news that will bring great joy. Don't get excited about just Savior. That's part of the good news. The other part is he's Lord. He's Lord. And that's great news. That's great news. Lord means he's Lord over all religions. He's Lord over all nations. He's Lord over all peoples. Ethnos. He's Lord over sin. He's Lord over Satan. He's Lord over death. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth and confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord. That's the good news. Jesus is Lord. If you were going to sum up the gospel in three words, it would be Jesus is Lord. Paul said this. He said, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Right. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Some of you need to be saved tonight. I'm not going to ask you to invite Jesus into your life. I'm going to invite you to submit to Jesus Christ as Lord. Everybody wants to escape hell. Except for the crazy people. Everybody wants to get away from the bad place, right? But not everybody wants Jesus to be Lord. Jesus, save me from hell. But then let me do whatever the hell I want. That's the attitude. I want my freedom. 
I want the gold, I want the girls, and I want the glory. And I want, I want heaven too. See, it's very clear in scripture, and the angel said it that day. If you want Jesus as Savior, you get Jesus as Lord. Because Jesus, he, he, he did not have a split personality. He doesn't have a multi-personality disorder. He is one. He is Savior, but he is Lord as well. And I'm going to invite you to today to submit to Jesus Christ as Lord. And I want you to do this. If you would stand to your feet with me as we prepare to close. So the good news is this. There's a new king that's been born in this little place, the city of David, Bethlehem. Um, And this king is savior and he is Lord. That's the good news. And he's come to bring his kingdom and to overthrow all the other kingdoms of this world, including yours. Will you repent and will you believe this good news that he is Lord? If you were to ask Jesus today, Jesus, how can I be saved? He would tell you what he said in Mark chapter one. He would say this, repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe this good news. I'm asking you to stand because we're going to do something very old fashioned for an altar call today. We are going to have a candlelight service. So ushers, if you'd make your way to the front, everybody was given a candle on your way in. Parents, hear me clearly. Uh, We're trusting you to make the decision whether your kid can have a lit candle or not. Okay, Um, this may not be the opportunity for Johnny Susie to hold a candle for the very first time in their life. Okay, this is not that kind of opportunity. But if you trust your kid with a candle, this is awesome. All right. And the ushers are going to light a candle in your aisle. And then if you'll just turn to your neighbor and light their candle as well. And I'll tell you why we're going to close this way. There are two recipients we read about in this passage. The shepherds, they heard this great news. They went away praising God and shouting and going back to their their sheep. They were all excited. They were probably Pentecostals like, you know, we are. They get all excited. They were probably dancing. But then you have this Mary. And and the Bible says that Mary did something unique. She pondered these things in her heart. This this message of this good news that Jesus is Savior, He is Christ, He is Lord. And she pondered those things. She had this contemplative moment uh, on this night. It was a night. It was a dark night. Um, and, And I love the fact that Jesus was born in darkness. Right? Behold, a great light has shone in the darkness. And uh, we're, we're going to, we've, we've lit these candles representing the light tonight, uh, born in darkness, born in our darkness. And I want you to just contemplate um, this message about Jesus being Lord. And some of you today, um, you've always wanted him to be your savior, but you've never submitted to his lordship. You've never said, God, um, I submit my life to you. You're now the boss. You rule and reign in my life, every part of my life. And this is your opportunity to do that. And then we're going to pray together as we close. We're going to sing together now.
Thank you that you're so good that you made a way since we couldn't come up to you. God, you came down to us. And God, I thank you that um, we can bring the darkness that's in our life. We can bring it to the light, not to be shamed, not to be exposed, but God, so you can cover our shameful nakedness and remove our sin from us. And so, Lord, we take this moment and we, and we confess our sins because you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, God, I pray today that you would do just that. You would, you would wash us fresh, God. You would cleanse us, God, so we can enjoy fellowship with you now and forevermore. And Lord, we pray um, some here today for the first time are submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And God, we say with our very own mouths, and I want everybody to repeat Jesus is Lord on the count of three. If that is indeed your heart's decision. One, two, three. Jesus Jesus is Lord. Your Lord. And we pray, God, that you would rule and reign in this place here right now. We pray, God, that your kingdom would come on earth tonight as it is in heaven. We ask that you would rule and reign over every addiction, every sinful habit, God, every sickness and disease that's present here. Everything that's broken, we invite you to come and mend it and make it whole. Every marriage, every relationship, God. God, we invite your kingdom right now in Jesus' name in this place. Into our very every part of our lives, God, the seen and the unseen, we invite you to be Lord. We invite you to rule and reign. And we invite you to do this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if we could blow out the candles together. It's fun to do something kind of old fashioned. Now, on your on your way out tonight, uh, the ushers have buckets and uh, if you want to toss your candle in a bucket, you can do that. If you'd like to take it home with you, you can do that as well. Uh, we are so glad that you came tonight. Kids, families, God bless you. Uh, and have a very, very Merry Christmas. <laughs>